0: Welcome, warriors, to MDC. In this series, I'm examining every single goddamn page of the Secrets of Shadaloo supplement for the Street Fighter storytelling game, intent on uncovering the single biggest secret on each page. Every episode covers one page. Every episode is short. Secrets of Shadaloo was published in 1994 by White Wolf Game Studio. Today we're discussing page 80 of Secrets of Shadaloo. We are almost to the end of this book. And we are on the first of the two final pages, which consist of paper cutout minis to use in your gaming, to put on the hex map and use for tactical Street Fighter combat. I must immediately confess a bias here. I absolutely love these paper fold minis for role-playing games because I so fondly remember the ones that came with the old Marvel superheroes role-playing game. I don't know exactly why they grabbed me the way that they did immediately when I was a kid and I started trying in vain, it turned out, to understand that game. But they really did. And that part of me has not gone away. I maybe thought that it had, like maybe I thought that my years of falling instantly in love with like little paper superheroes, superhero action figures had passed. But then, you know, late teens, early twenties, here comes hero clicks. And I remember very distinctly the moment when I saw a little kingpin miniature with his little purple pants and his little cane. And that blinking light in my brain just switched immediately back on, like, where is the nearest hobby store? I have to fill my home with these tiny plastic superheroes. So yeah, I am I am pre-sold completely on these little miniatures. That would make for a short episode if this were an evaluative podcast. Like, I've been pretty down on the maps in this book over the last few days, but that's not part of the format. It's just because they suck. Normally, I'm not here to identify good or bad things in this season. I'm here to uncover the secrets of Shadowloo. So these paper minis are good. I refuse to say a bad thing about them. I'm just here to analyze them, though, with as much objectivity as I can muster, despite being so emotionally involved in the idea of printing out a little three-dimensional paper cutout of M. Bison and playing with him on a little map. I'm going to put that aside, and I'm just going to focus on uh, what we can learn from the miniatures that are presented here. So let me give you the facts. These pages, each one contains two rows of basically 10 miniatures. More on that tomorrow, but basically 10 miniatures on each row for a total of 20 on each page, and there's a whole variety. In fact, let me uh let me just go through the list here. I'll tell you what's on this page. We've got Akazan, portrayed as he appears in the Mriganka section, not as he appears in the illustration that is on his page in the Shadowloo section. But you know, he's a master of disguise. What are you gonna do? He transcends the cutout paperfold miniature format. Uh we got Blade here, Corona, Drake, Dulcinea. It is only now that I realize with horror that despite having this PDF too small for me to read the words. I just know all of these characters by their first names. I probably remember the first names of four people that I went to high school with in real life, but I remember fucking Drake's name. Uh, Elias Sin, Robot Number 1. Some of these are numbered because there are multiple miniatures. We're going to see on the next page there are more robots. Uh, Monk Number 1. This is an interesting choice. One of the monks of eternal darkness. I'll spoil it and say there's another monk on the next page. It's a total of two monks. That's still a ton. Consider there are only, like, eight of these monks. If you take out these two monks in a fight scene, you have taken down one quarter of their whole fucking religion. Seems like a lot of eggs for them to put in one basket, sending two of them against a team of street fighters. But then again, if they were well managed, you know, maybe they would not have been kicked Leonidas style off the side of the org chart by Akazan and his evil church. Uh, we've got Fernando de Gaulle here, which I appreciate in terms of completeness, but let's be honest, if Fernando de Gaulle is on a battle map, the fight is over. So the need for a mini is negligible. Uh, we've got Frogman number one. These are the wetsuited harpoon gun guys who swim around and apprehend you if you're trying to swim to Marigonka. Then down on the second row, we've got Frogman number two. Uh, then we've got Big Wide Khan. We've got Callista, Quasso, Leander, Lotus Blossom, M. Bison himself, Jungleman number one, and Revenant number one. More of each of those to come on the next page. And finally, Sagat. Now, back when I didn't realize there was another page of cutouts in this book, albeit not in this PDF. I thought we were going to be able to glean a lot from this selection of minis, right? But as it turns out, the second page, which it's a long story for tomorrow, but suffice it to say, having at last acquired the second page of cutouts, I see that the overall assortment is mostly complete. But in fact, that is more telling, because only a very few characters mentioned in this book don't have minis. The secret of shadowloo for this page then, on sort of a designer intent slash metagame level, is... Certain of the combatants mentioned in this book are not likely to actually fight you if you invade Mergonka or play through tourist trap because the GM is not going to have minis for them. These are apparently lower tier characters that the designers thought would be less likely to be actually used in play. So let's just go through them in the order that they appear in the book. First of all, the dragon triad. This is a really big one. Adrian Hurst, the dragon of North America, the one who uh, tried to kill somebody at a school election and then went on to a life of great evil success. He's not represented. Neither is Lord Montgomery. He has a lot going on, and honestly, I'm not sure whether that's a pro or a con for giving him a mini. On the one hand, how do you not use an organized crime aristocrat wizard who's being haunted by a witch? But on the other hand, you know, if the session is dragging, he's never going to be the guy who, like, kicks open a door and runs in and starts fighting the street fighters. He's way too complicated for that. Too much baggage. You send robots for that shit. So, uh, maybe I understand his absence. Uh, Tai Yuan... The Dragon of Asia, she's more of an inventor, more of a scientist, not so much of a combatant. But then again, we got Fernando de Gaulle chilling in the back of this book with a miniature. Who the fuck cares where Fernando de Gaulle is standing? Like, unless he's literally dripping slime, which I think is unlikely, but not impossible, his position in the battlefield is of no consequence. So I wouldn't have objected to having a Taiyuan miniature just for completeness. However, none of the dragons have stats, so maybe that's one big reason not to put them on this list. And honestly, if we've learned nothing else from Tourist Trap, the reality is, if you're facing someone as high up in the shadowloo organization as a dragon, the GM is just going to tell you that you lose in an encounter with them, right? So why bother folding up these little pieces of paper and scotch-taping them on the bottom? You could just get a standard index card and write, you're fucked on it, and just hand that to the players. That's a lot easier. Um, shockingly, indefensibly, there are no miniatures here for the warehouse warriors. You remember Becca, Dion, Laverne, the warehouse warriors, they all work in the warehouse together, they all try to kill you with forklifts at once, they spend their days down in the corridors of the warehouse practicing combat forklift maneuvers, and for what? To be snubbed, to be bumped from the miniatures pages in this book. Just fucking shameful, especially because, I remind you, forklifts are effective in combat in proportion to how much of a running start they can get before slamming into the Street Fighters. So their positioning is essential. And who's got forklift minis sitting around? I mean, I know some of you motherfuckers do, but I mean normal people. Nobody's got fucking forklift minis just sitting waiting for the moment in a session when they need forklifts. I mean, on the same page as the Warehouse Warriors, we've got this illustration of Emory Jungleman. If you're a gamer with a collection of minis, how many offensive savage stereotype miniatures do you have compared to how many forklift minis do you have? That's all that I'm saying. I wouldn't demand a separate mini, by the way, for Becca, Dion, and Laverne. You could just have one mini that prominently features a forklift and then copy that three times. Although they each have their own personalities too. One of them has a big knife that definitely needs to be pictured. Such a big part of her persona. I don't know. Maybe you do leave them out. I I don't know. But in any case, the sad reality is you're probably not going to be fighting the warehouse warriors. If you've got a GM who likes to have minis for combats, because forklift minis are hard to come by and this book is not helping matters. The hovercrafts that will come to attack you if you try to get to Muriganka with any kind of sea vessel. You remember we talked many pages ago about how cushy a job hovercraft pilot is because there's only a vanishingly narrow set of circumstances when these hovercrafts get deployed. Sure enough, they don't even have minis. The designers knew. They knew these hovercrafts are never going out on the water. If there were a mini, it would be like one big wide mini of just like five dudes sitting at a table playing poker because honestly if those hovercraft pilots are in your session at all that's how you're going to encounter them none of these motherfuckers are ever going to make it to a hovercraft before they get street fighted uh bob and zara hoffenstatter of course no miniatures but then again we know literally nothing about them except that their names are bob and zara hoffenstatter so i guess that doesn't give the artist much to work with vega's mutant rose no vega's mutant rose here huge omission Massive omission. You probably want a large sized mini, like a mini that's two spaces wide for the radioactive rows. But I would, I would have traded two junglemen for this or two robots. I would have traded all the robots. The robots are only in like the corridors and the bottom level of Shadowloo. Like basically they're in the hallway that leads to Imbison. By the time you're in the hallway that goes to Imbison, as a GM, I am very likely to say, look, there's nothing in the fucking hallway. I'm ready for this fight but you are not getting through the island nation of Mriganka without fighting this radioactive rose, if I, as a GM, have anything to say about it. So I need that rose mini. Big mistake there. Um, Another huge oversight, no Spanish ninjas. This maybe is the biggest oversight, because it's in the adventure that you have to fight Spanish ninjas. The result, of course, is going to be that the GM is going to go raid the minis from other games, or maybe from the Street Fighter core book, probably throw in like a couple of ninja minis, a couple of thug minis, couple of random goon hero clicks, maybe, if this particular GM had a big problem back about 10 years ago, has really a lot of goons kicking around the house, really a lot of uh, sloppily painted miscellaneous thugs on cheap plastic bases, just kind of crowding up um, all of his storage places in his home, then he might throw some hero clicks at you. This is inadequate to the task of representing Spanish ninjas, because as we know, the main thing, the most important thing about Spanish ninjas is that they are beautiful. Vega only chooses attractive students. We can get martial arts anywhere. We can get people trying to stab you with a sword or throw shurikens at you in any role-playing game. What Street Fighter, and specifically Secrets of Shadowloo has to offer is the prospect of having your ass torn apart by a mob of extremely beautiful people. And the minis really need to reflect that. I need at least four Spanish ninja minis, and I need them to be smoking hot. I need bladed weapons, snake tattoos... Great bodies, seductive ninja poses, because bear in mind, you're putting up with a lot from these Spanish ninjas. You've got an unwinnable chase against them in the very first scene of Tourist Trap. You've got a virtually unwinnable fight against them at the restaurant. You've got an actually unwinnable ambush from them at Santa Toro's Chapel. You've got them uh gathered behind a fence, just like beating and pelting you in the fight with Diablo. You're taking a lot of shit from a lot of ninjas, possibly infinite Spanish ninjas in this adventure. The least this book could do is provide some sexy minis to look at to better immerse you in the fantasy experience of curling up in a fetal position on the ground and being mercilessly kicked into unconsciousness by not just one, but five to ten people that you want to fuck. Possibly you don't want that from this book, but it wouldn't hurt you in the least for this book to give that to me. Uh, there's no Miguel, remember Weasley Miguel, who convinces you to go to the restaurant for the sham street fight? Uh, no fake villagers who are actually ninjas, no ninja pastry chef, no ninja toy maker, and no Felipe Darragon. Although I'll admit, there's an outside chance that there's a miniature of him in the core book. I have not double-checked. I think I've spent ample time scouring the internet for blurry pictures of these fucking Street Fighter miniature pages. More on that tomorrow. But as far as I know, we are missing Felipe Dargón, and it's all the same. He's basically a non-combatant who doesn't do anything anyway, so he's a good one to bump for space. So there you have it. Um, I- I'm the bearer of bad news in this episode. You're probably not going to fight the Warehouse Warriors. You're probably not going to fight Vega's radioactive Rose in Reganka. And while you're definitely going to fight a whole lot of Spanish Ninja, if your storyteller decides to run Tourist Trap, those Spanish Ninja will probably be played on the hex map by a bunch of uh, uh, miscellaneous uncouth thug miniatures, not by the sexy shirtless tormentors that I feel we all deserve. Anyway, that's it for cutout page number one. Join me next time as I attempt to cover the fucking inscrutable cryptid That is cut out page number two on MDC. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big mega-sode on the top-secret Patreon-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that RSS feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact or check out the show wherever you want, I am MegadumbCast on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. Street Fighter and all associated trademarks are property of Capcom. This season's theme music, used under a Creative Commons license, is City Lights at Night by Revolution Void, whose work you can find at sites.google.com view slash revolutionvoid, or at freemusicarchive.org music slash revolution underscore void. Thanks for listening. Now get lost. You can't compare with my power.